News. 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 New York City. FAQ NYC podcast getting more and more interesting by the minute. FAQ. It's FAQ NYC, the New Yorker's podcast from the newsroom by and for New Yorkers, the city. I'm Katie Honan, here with Dr. Christina Greer and Harry Siegel. Hello. Hello there. Hey. Why don't we jump right in with just some of the news from another jam-packed week in New York City. So, early voting started Saturday in an election where every council seat is nominally in play, but it's mostly about nothing. If you don't vote, you're consenting to the system of ridiculously low turnout races and mostly Potemkin choices when there's any choice at all and the representatives that gives us. So go to findmypollsite.vote.nyc, see where your early voting and election day voting sites are. They'll be different. And check out what's on your ballot so you can do a little catching up before showing up if you haven't already. Uh, the great Ben Max will join us next week as he does every election night to talk about the results. So tune in, get smart about what happened in the contest, mostly in like a reddening outer ring of the farther reaches of the city that have been competitive. There's another FDNY fire report that came out Tuesday morning, skeptical of the city's shelter plans, and that was again given to the Post by a Republican council member. Uh, the last one was Minority Leader Joe Borelli. He had one about how a very unpopular shelter there uh, with locals uh, was a fire hazard. It was then closed. This time it's Joanne Ariola of Queens. And she's given the Post an FDNY report about how there's too much space between hydrants at Floyd Bennett Field where there isn't even a shelter yet, but the city is intending to house migrant families in a quote-unquote semi-congregate setting inside a giant tent on this difficult-to-access flood-prone airfield in southern Brooklyn. So the FDNY, as I said, has been methodically closing the city's sites that don't have sprinklers. It will let them open and said they could have fire guards, and now it seems to be saying it's time to shut them down. The Adams administration, which opened those same sites, seems pretty cool with that, and they just admitted this week that only two of the 50 houses of worship uh, the mayor touted months ago were going to be joining and partnering with the city to help shelter migrants have actually done so, mostly because they lack the FDNY required sprinkler systems. Anyways, FAQ NYC listeners heard a bit about this last week before the city fessed up from Episcopalian Bishop Matt Hade. Um, It's a good podcast uh, to get ahead of the news. Meanwhile, the Trump kids are testifying this week in the penalty phase of their dad's civil fraud trial. Uh, that's the latest happy reminder that as Trump, who's going to be testifying next week, and his family keeps coming to town into the courtrooms, that nobody gives much of a shit. Uh, there were many, many concerns this would be wildly disruptive to downtown Manhattan and so on. Uh, to date, and despite some of the uh, former president and presidential candidates' efforts, it's been more or less all right. Um, in the meantime, Israel and Gaza news which continues to cast a shadow here in a city with like 1.1 million Jews, about 700,000 Muslims. Uh, thankfully, to this point, has also been more of a backdrop than a leading event. Hopefully, that'll continue. Uh, the NYPD has had, uh, rightly or not, a heavy presence at several Palestinian solidarity marches that have picked up support from a lot of the same people who have taken to the streets for other mass protest movements in recent years. And Governor Hochul, as we're recording this pretty much, just added to our schedule a roundtable for Tuesday morning with students in Ithaca after there were posts on a discussion board about Cornell calling for the uh, killing and rape of Jewish students in the building that includes its Center for Jewish Living and uh, its kosher dining hall. 
Speaking of nightmare fuel, seven-year-old Kamari Hughes was on a scooter with his mother crossing Myrtle Avenue on their way to school last week when an NYPD tow truck driver, since been charged, made a right turn and struck and, and killed him. Ah, oh. Chrissy, there's always something or lots and lots of somethings popping off in this city. We now have a mayor who only takes off-topic questions once a week and does his best to make his own news at those, so he gets asked fewer questions. And so whatever rhetorical news he chooses to come out with, last week it's there's going to be people sleeping in the streets, which he's been saying actually on and off for months, can drown out any inconvenient answers he is forced to get. So while he's trying to control the narrative and say as little as he can when he doesn't fully control it, how do you think he's doing these days? It's got to be better than the Giants at least. <laughs> okay, so let me just let me just circle back to a few things you said. One, don't forget to vote. Go to findmypollsite.vote.nyc uh, because for many people, most people, their polling site, if they vote early, is not the same site as if they vote on November 7th. So make sure you get that together. And it's uh, my polling site is nine to five voting early. So please, please, right? There are two proposals on the ballot that we should probably talk about um, now that I realize that. And they're both, lots of they're judges. both statewide. And yes. uh, they're not super relevant, especially the first one, which is about small school districts to New York. Um, you but, should read up about them. The New York Post says vote against them both because it means more spending. Which I means don't vote know. for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. But the second one actually does was interesting to me. Um, the sewers. Yes, the sewers. So I would implore people to read up on them. Um, and we'll have Ben Max, our special guest star, every election night, which I'm super excited about. Two, I was at the Queens Public Library Langston Hughes branch this weekend for their 15th anniversary literary festival. I would implore everyone to support the New York Public Library Systems, the Queens Public Library Systems, and the Brooklyn Public Library Systems. I don't know if they know that, but they're three totally different systems. So if you donate, make sure you uh, remember that. So I donate to the NYPL and the BKPL. I did not, I don't vote, I don't donate to the Queens Public Library, but now I I need to because NYPL handles Manhattan, Staten Island, and the Bronx. Brooklyn handles Brooklyn, Queens handles Queens, but they're all doing really great work about book bannings and bringing folks in. So that's my PSA about supporting the library systems. And the Langston Hughes Library just had some beautiful art. It wasn't the main central library in Queens, um, but just really beautiful art. Third thing, rain-soaked Jets Giants. I'm wearing a Jets t-shirt right now because I lost a bet. Per usual, um, I was rooting for the Giants. Uh, I was at MetLife two weeks ago rooting for the Eagles. Clearly, I'm the Jets' good luck charm um, because that's what happens when I go to games. Uh, But there were, you know, Katie, before you came, I was telling Harry, there were so many uh, mixed team friendships that I loved seeing. So it's like a group of guys and like half had on Jets gear and half had on Giants gear. You could tell they'd been best friends for a really long time. And I just love the fact that like with all of the terribleness that is going on in the world, of which there is a lot, it was just this communal way to sort of laugh and scream and, you know, rib one another. It, it just felt very um, satisfying. I think that's why I'm really into going to sporting events these days, just because it's a distraction of the best kind. I mean, we have zero control over this game. Zero. 
and we have zero control over the, the weather. You see, I accidentally got my nails done and got jets green. I don't know what's going on. Um, <laughs> shout out to Aaron Rodgers. So, and then Harry, your your question, which is the mayor. Oh, our dear friend, Eric Adams, who won't come on the podcast. I don't know why. Um, He's too busy taping what? Um, Sid Rosenberg every week or whatever. Oh yeah, well you know. And maybe Sid showing all... up at the anti-migrant rallies with uh with his guy Curtis Slewa. What a world. Ugh, God. We can talk can't... about him when you're when Chrissy's on, and then I have some facts about the links in Hughes Library. Curtis Slewa is just like the carrot top of politicians. You know, just always pulling some nonsense out of a bag. Um, so but you know, I'm always talking about the the mayor going to these flag raisings, and how that is important for smaller communities who have never had public officials recognize them and give them the time of day. But I have been reading various stories about, you know, the questions are getting hot at these flag raisings. You know, people do want to, they're excited that the mayor is there, but hey, now that we have you, can you actually tell us about whatever it is that's going on in our community or in our city? And so I'm really curious to see if these flag raisings move beyond this ceremonial, I'm so great, I'm your first elected official to come to this, you know, part of your community. Um, if they actually turn into substantive Q&As every now and again, and we know that this man does not like a, a serious q and I'm I wonder if he'll stop going, like if well, if we'll see this. Katie, you're the expert. I have, well, just very quickly, the Langston Hughes Library actually was a community-run library that was first started by the Black Panthers uh, in the 60s. And it was a community-run library up until 1986 when it became oh. part of the QPL system. That's a little fact that I know because I did Thank a story on the outgoing director. But yes, it's funny you mentioned those flag raisings. And Mayor Eric Adams. On Friday, Kevin Duggan from, the street, from Streets Blog went there to ask him specifically about the seven-year-old boy who was killed. Mayor's response, I love New York. Okay. Um, Greg Smith, my colleague, me and Harry's colleague at the city, went there to ask about Tim Pearson. The mayor's detail did not really like that. So I think you're going to see more of this. When you ask, I will say as a reporter who has to speak to the press office, you message these people, you ask some questions, they do not respond. I my text with I joke my text with deputy mayor of spokespeople, as I call him, because there's no spokesperson to replace him and he's a deputy mayor. Fabian Levy, it looks I look like a stalker. Because he does not reply to my texts. You email, they do not respond. The mayor used to sometimes ask, you know, answer questions at off-topic things. He's completely stopped. Their answer, talk to us on Tuesday. I went last Friday to try to, you know, trying to talk about Tim Pearson. It's a newsworthy story. I went on a Friday. Then the mayor on a Sunday night, not yesterday, but last Sunday, was near my apartment. I waited to talk to him. Because guess what? You're the mayor of New York City. You like making hard hands with strangers. You like yucking it up, but they don't like tough questions. I mean, this is something that I pointed out last week on Twitter. The overwhelming emotion that I get from these people in this administration is fear. They are so afraid. Their actions are the actions of people who are just afraid. That's what they're doing. They're Whoever they're afraid of, whatever they're afraid of, they do not like questions. So... Yeah, this can we is elaborate on that to, just for a second? What it is like? It, it's it's a rough job, right? And 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 the world's coming at you all the time when you're trying to set an agenda. But what is it? It feels to you like they're afraid. Of? The questions, the truth. They are so combative to the press. I'm not actually. I'm not offended when they're combative of the press. But like the facts are, you have Deputy Mayor Phil Banks who at a press conference called a question stupid ass fucking question. He's insulted me to my face. He's insulted other journalists to their face. I know he gave one reporter the finger once. You have to, I laugh at this, but then when you really take a step back and you realize, oh, these are the people who I'm supposed to work with. You know, Fabian Levy's cursed out reporters. Like, this is sort of like what happens. They are so combative that my reaction 
reaction to it for my own survival is to just say, okay, I'm, I'm going to keep moving and do my job. Um, but sometimes when I tell people, they're almost shocked by it. I think I do get the sense that Mayor Eric Adams treats his staff better than at least like a Bill de Blasio did, but it's still, they, they just can't answer simple questions. And it trickles down to the agencies too. You know, you ask them the most basic information and they can't, I mean, we could attest to this. We wrote a story last week about Tim Pearson. It took the administration two days to like answer basic questions and they still can't even tell us what he does. Shout out mm-hmm. to EDC, which says he has no public schedule. Yeah. Um, and shout out to DOT, which keeps trying to do these, these big street plannings that take years and years and years only for uh, the mayor to basically pie them in the face or ask them to pie themselves in the face and be like, actually, we need more community input in year four as a way of uh, derailing these things. It's wild. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, this kind of goes with the fact that, like, the mayor doesn't feel the heat of someone nipping at his heels. You know, like, David Dinkins always had the shadow of Giuliani, like, race baiting and constant, like, his entire mayoralty was Giuliani, just, like, everything he did, he was like, see, I'm right here, I'm on it. Like, we knew that Giuliani was going to be his challenger in 1993. David Dinkins knew it, everyone knew it, it was going to be a matchup again. Like right now, and shout out to Ben Max. I'm just uh, seeing that he has a piece up in New York Magazine about sort of the issue with progressives trying to challenge the mayor right now. I think if the mayor had like a foil, right? We don't know what the public advocate does. Each time it's redefined, you know, like that's not a real challenge to the mayor. Jamani has been, I mean, I know he has critiques, but it's not like a serious one-to-one matchup, right? And I guess the structure of the city, you can't really have that. Um, But there's no one who, I don't think he really fears anyone sort of coming for him. You know, Catherine Garcia seems like she's kind of happy in New York State. Maya Wiley has, you know, her nonprofit in D.C. slash New York. Like, the the sort of big names that we talked about in 2021, we're not talking about now. I mean, I think some of the names that were floating around, say some of the state senators, plural, who are being floated around, they're known in their respective areas, but not necessarily citywide or with the New York Times crowd. And so it's like, you know, yeah, sure. Mara's comments about Catherine Garcia helped her win, you know, a certain New York Times you know, readership. But like, is that enough? Dot, dot, dot. So I don't feel like the mayor feels shook just yet. And he's not. I think there's a lot of navel gazing. I think that there's a lot of like internal conversations with his people. I don't think he cares about the press. And he's like, you know, you're going to write what you're going to write, but then I can just go and and do, you know, go to the bully pulpit. I can go to the people. The people tend to like me and respect me, even if the poll numbers don't necessarily show it. And, you know, what's the alternative? And I think that when people go to the polls, I I don't know if there's enough ire for the mayor right now not right now right like don't forget the the primary is not until mm-hmm. june 2025 and that's less than two years away but we do know and harry i'll, I'll let you jump in if someone's going to challenge this mayor they need to get their money up by july 1 2024 because if you don't have cash on hand by then then it's a wrap and so i'm sure the streets are talking and eric adams is like nobody's got this money so what are we doing? The Sandy Nurse kicker quote, council member from Brooklyn, um, to Ben Max's story, which is effectively just a concession about the near impossibility of challenging this particular incumbent Democrat from the left. 
in my opinion, the progressive left should be laser focused on being strong enough to deliver on our ideas and goals, despite a mayor like Adams. Sure, having a progressive would be easier, progressive mayor, but more than anything, we need unity, discipline, and an operation that can completely define the terms for any mayor come January 2026. So that's not quite waving the white flag. But you can feel it getting there as everyone's like, uh, there was an onion, 98% of Americans think other Americans should use more mass transit. You know, 98% of progressives think some other progressive should be raising their hand mm-hmm. to run. But we know that when one raises their hand to run, then they're all going to run like, and defeat the purpose. So that we've seen that a thousand times. Like That's just what happens. And I think, let's be clear, if it's a woman, then you know a man's going to run because they can't. I mean, I don't know what. Harry, explain to us how you all are wired where... The least competent men look at themselves in the mirror. It's like, I can do this, especially if they see a woman doing it. It's like, oh, I can totally do this. Like, absolutely, you can't. I'm looking at you, Larry Summers. Um, That's a whole nother. That's a whole nother. Stand by. Stand by. Up the city for a banger that will touch on the mayor's many flag raising uh, ceremonies, beauty pageants, and implicitly the classic Onion headline theme right now. A struggling feminist movement finally puts a man in charge. It is a weird, distressing story. Chrissy, my question for you, though, on a serious note is, does rank choice help at all or matter at all here? I thought the whole idea is that you can't spoil the battle. So that's the piece that I've been tussling with, because I think rank choice helps Eric Adams, because I'm thoroughly convinced if he has a challenger, it's going to be several challengers. And... One, I think Eric Adams had a little confusion with his supporters where he's like, just list me. You know, we implemented ranked choice voting with zero education behind it. And I have my own thoughts as to why I think people want ranked choice voting. I genuinely think that it was precisely to make sure someone like Eric Adams didn't become mayor and it didn't work out for the people that really wanted it. That's my own personal opinion. <laughs> but that's why I have a podcast and you don't. Ha! But... um it- Definitely made this race closer than Absolutely. it would have been otherwise. And the Garcia uh, uh, Yang Alliance, which I, by the way, not Garcia from third uh-huh. at the end of voting on election day, up to second right. by the time the ranking was all, done. So Adam still wins, but it's it's considerably tighter, I think, than it would have been otherwise. Although that's right. not knowable. Right. That's not knowable. I mean, first of all, a Garcia Yang Alliance that says all I need to know about Catherine Garcia, and she'll never get my vote because of that. Um, that being said, I do think ranked choice, again, with lack of education, does make a difference um, coming down the pike. But that also presumes that Eric Adams has a challenger. Now, Katie, when you were on the job last week and you weren't with us for the podcast when we had Christine Quinn on. I apologize, Quinn, No, listen, Katie, Katie's always working. Can Katie's I, can I say streets. I had therapy as a conflict? You guys do not want me missing that. <laughs> That is do not do not put that on. I'll be I'll be therapy. I'll be complaining <laughs> to you guys. I pay someone to listen to me. <laughs> um, yeah. But we appreciate. I mean, nine times out of ten, when you're not here, it's because you're literally in yes. the street getting the stories to bring back to us. Um, but we had Christine Quinn on, and I I do believe in healthy and robust primaries. I think one of our biggest. Uh, faults and regrets as a city is that we didn't have a robust primary with de Blasio in 2017 for him to explain what his vision would be for the next four years. We we get it. You got us universal pre-K. That's not insignificant. But then you just coasted for four years and left us. I mean, just you know, like went out for a pack of smokes and never came back. So 
I said that I believe in robust primaries, and Christine Quinn actually surprised me when she said she didn't want the mayor to have a primary. She really wanted him to focus on governance in the city, which I don't know about you, Harry, but I did not expect that to be her answer. And I I thought her explanation was rock solid, but I was not expecting that. Me neither entirely. I know she said that she was not going to run. And interestingly, she said, I don't think he needs a challenger in the course of explaining her new coalition with this Episcopalian bishop and, uh, and, 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 uh, you know, the community service society, um, big unions that is challenging the mayor. So like with that Sandy nurse quote, it seems to be this interesting sort of concession. Like you are not politically getting pushed off this hill, but we need to sort of shift where you are on the hill and get you to feel some pressure, which is, which is, a striking, um, striking moment. I will point out that the Blasio, you know, one's, wins like a seven-way primary with bonkers Anthony Weiner, um, and with spending he has that helps kneecap Quinn early on. She isn't expecting that sort of changed the rules of the game and this other stuff. You know, after like prosecutors are like, this guy cheated everything, but we can't charge him because of the Supreme Court. He's like, I've been totally exonerated. Scott Stringer steps aside, and he just runs unchallenged. And uh And he's not, by the way, the city's second black mayor. Like, it's very hard to run against an incumbent Democrat. And I think people are are not eager to be assigned that role. Even people are very critical of this. Well, also, having a black family does not make you black. Okay, so, like, let's be clear. There's a difference between Mm -hmm. him as a black executive, i.e. Eric Adams, and a white man in charge of the most powerful city in the country. So that whole black mayor thing, please. Oh, I meant I meant Adams as, right. as the black mayor there. That it's hard now to right. run against Adams. Okay. Um, I, like, Wait a I thought we were still talking about BDB. I was like, no. Um, and also, don't forget 2013 that Dante ad, where all of a sudden stop and frisk was massive because he was. Don't forget, De Blasio was in fourth or fifth place as of the third week of July in 2013, and then he just skyrocketed the last month because of that ad. Stuff can happen. I remember because the Amsterdam news, when we interviewed him, I was like, why would we even <laughs> entertain you? You're literally in fifth place. Like, who's who's checking for you? And everything that John Lou says, you say second. Like, this looking at a primary, I mean, I, I listened to the podcast from last week and it was interesting what Christine Quinn said. It's just, I don't know right now who could raise the money and get everyone to coalesce around them to challenge the Mayor Adams in a primary. And I think even looking at, you know, I think it was last week, a, a poll, I think some of Eric Adams' opinions, when you when people are polled anonymously, they agree with a lot of it. I'm not saying all of it. Um, and I just don't know who could emerge and really get all the money and get all the support from, you know, when you say the quote-unquote left, there's many different factions within that and many different opinions. And, and I think as, as things remain across the country and the world in, incredibly fraught and and Crazy isn't the right word, but you know, there's all this stuff going on. I think people, the divisions become even clearer because people have maybe smaller changes on one thing or smaller opinions on another thing that could affect who they want to support. I don't know. I can't, um, I just can't think who it could be. Um, and I mean, Mayor Adams, you could say maybe is, is, is fundraising like he has a primary challenger and he's really hustling on that. Um, and he comes out, he comes to it with an advantage. Uh, you know, I see a lot of tweets, we need to primary the mayor. And it's like, okay, who? Right. 
really appreciative that, that we have <laughs> this sort of catastrophic event in this really tumultuous world with, uh, you know, the largest mass migration is going to be in world history, like, you know, a sense of uh, existential dread and, and wars looming and, and events coming closer to here that, that in the midst of all that, I really hope we don't have any of those sorts of signal events that could really shift the political landscape. And if an incumbent who's fundraised, you know, and sort of figured out his position, and by the way, aligns with polling on some of these issues way more than the people who want to challenge him, starting with uh, migrants in a lot of ways, where, 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 you know, poll after poll now shows most New Yorkers think that the city and the state have already done enough. And as he's clearly trying to just make it harder for people to remain in shelters, including families, and stay there, I, I don't think that's right. Uh, but but that's clearly where the the center of popular support is. I do hope we don't have some sort of dreadful disruption. Like one other thing that's come up in these polls where 70 percent about it, New Yorkers are worried about some sort of mass killing event that is aimed at some specific group. And, and I'm thankful we haven't had something like that. I, I very much hope we stay there. And if that makes it harder to have responsive politics, like I, I don't love that like responsive politics, but that, that is a trade I will take any day of the week. Hmm. All right. Can we end on a good note? Please. You have a good note. Um. Go Knicks? Question mark. <laughs> I'd say go St. John's, but they lost to Pace, a Division Two school, yesterday in a scrimmage. So that's not uh, um, basketball. Well, autumn in New York is always one of the greatest times ever. Um. I would implore everyone to go check out the Brooklyn Botanic Garden or the New York Botanic Garden, support our local institutions. Or if you don't want to spend money, go to Central Park and go to Prospect Park and go to various parks, small parks in your neighborhood or borough. There's some really good birding this time of year. Uh, we missed a lot of the big migrations, but there's still lots of action. Um, help me out, kids. I got I got to tell you, I'm, I got nothing really. I mean... No, I'm sorry. Oh, it's soup season. That's my season. I'm a big soup person. We're we're really scraping the bottom of the barrel. If we're talking about <laughs> soup. The soup benefits of soup. Thing. It's almost Thanksgiving. Queens like, like Thanksgiving. Like people, people can just be kind to each other, give a little space to other people's like pain and concerns, even if you think that's that that that's misaligned. And uh, try to have this continue to be, as it's been, like a, a city where people can live right by each other, accepting the, the, the different lives, different beliefs, and different cultures. And we can share trains and restaurants and sometimes break bread and lives. And New York's been a model of that. And I, I, I really hope we, we, we keep being so. Um, so, you know, you think we're wrong about everything, like drop a note. I might think you are and like just talk to each other with kindness and respect because if we keep that going, a lot of the other things will answer themselves. If this all becomes internet oriented, finding things to be furious and outraged about, it can go downhill very quickly. Listeners, why don't you send us something to be excited about for the next Please. Couple? Please. We, we could uh-huh. use it. All right. I got to go vote. I'm excited about that. F-A-Q. <laughs> This has been FAQ NYC. We're part of the city, a nonprofit, nonpartisan newsroom dedicated to hard hitting reporting that serves the people of New York. Our work is freely available to everyone at thecity.nyc and is supported by listeners and readers like you. Go to thecity.nyc/give if you'd like to pitch in. 
We also receive support from PT Knitwear, an independent bookstore, cafe, and event space on Manhattan's Lower East Side, with a podcast studio that can be freely reserved for community use. We're a proud member of the Brickhouse Cooperative of independent journalists, critics, and artists. Find it all at popula.com. And we're affiliated with the Colin Powell School at CUNY City College, where I am one of the Moynihan Public Scholar inaugural fellows. Our hosts for this episode were me, Christina Greer, Katie Onit, and Harry Siegel, who's also our executive producer. Our engineer is Adam Kamara. Thank you, listener, for joining us and making it this far. Be kind, be cool, be warm, be dry, and we'll be back soon with more.